0: please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at bushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting bushland.com slash give.
1: Well, and as you can tell, Caden did such a good job filming during the week. And so we didn't even actually know he was going to put that together until the end of the week. And so just thankful you guys get to see a little bit of what kind of took place. And as the, as the mission team comes up and they're going to get their chairs from out back here to be able to sit down, um just some funny things that I'll tell you that kind of happened on the trip that are fun before we get into some of the serious things that God did um we, uh, when you go into Rotan, a lot of y'all saw the beach and you thought this is probably not some kind of mission trip, really. Uh, you're on the beach together. We actually fly into Rotan, spend a day uh, and a half at the beach, and so just a fun time to be able to do that. You go to the zoo, um, and so Rotan has some things too that uh, we're going to get to do on the next trip. Um, we're going to paint a school there, and so, but just a cool opportunity. We went deep deep sea fishing first thing on one of the mornings, and so we were all kind of excited to catch some fish. Um, and as we went out that morning, we're about probably uh, two miles offshore uh, into the Blue Channel right there, which is like in Honduras. is the second biggest coral reef in the world, and so I was, I was having prophetic dreams of the biggest, you know, fish ever uh, catching, and so excited about that, and we get out there, and the steering column on the, uh, the boat breaks, and there's 12 of us out at sea, uh, gringos, as they call us over there, uh, and so there's, we're stuck on this boat, and it's windy that day, and the waves are moving pretty heavily, and we're just doing this in the middle of it, and so I'll, I will tell you this. There was only four that survived out of the 12 that weren't puking off the side of the boat within about 20 minutes, and so, but I think that ultimately was probably one of the, the hardest things that happened to us um, that wasn't very fun, but we got through it, um, and so uh, lots of Funny things that we'll probably never never share with you—just things that happen on the trip that are just funny. That you probably shouldn't share from the stage. That happened to you. You know how that is. Uh, when you go to Vegas, sometimes. When you go to Honduras, sometimes. You know. And there's, um, and there's just some crazy things that happen that the team only experienced together. But we hope to share just what God did with you, and so this team just did such a great job. There's some of them missing today. We had 13 total of us, and so it was just a great mixture. Um, I would tell you just these are all people that do life with you that are in our church. Uh, they did such a great job of impact and being servants, and we didn't have anybody we wanted to put on the plane and send back. Um, I've been on trips like that before, uh, and so they all did such a good job. I'm very thankful for the church at Bushland uh, in allowing us to be able to do this money-wise and things that we do to allow a pastor to be able to go do this uh, and to be able to take a team thankful to CRF Christian Relief Fund uh, which is locally here in Amarillo who is doing so much on the ground there great leadership uh, great great opportunities uh, for us to come underneath their leadership as a church and so it was just hugely impactful and so uh, I'm going to hand the mic to them individually and we're just gonna do kind of an interview, let each of them talk. Um, and so, Kendall, I'll start with you again. Um, uh, the first question that I asked them this last service and what I wanna do here uh, is just for you to kind of hear uh, why they chose to go on this mission trip. Um, I think that's hugely impactful. Some of you may have gone on a mission trip. Some of you may have never gone on a mission trip. You're scared, COVID, all these things that have happened. But I wanna tell you this before Kendall shares, nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to ever stop. There is nowhere in God's word does it ever say self-preserve. Never. It says to die. That's what the Bible says for us to do. And so as a church, we want you to know the message to you and as a staff, we're going. We're going, we're on the move. That's Jeff's heart, that's Melissa's heart. Uh, From the top of the leadership, the elders, we're on the move here. There's no self-preservation happening here. And so we wanna move and we wanna go. And so I want you to know that just as somebody that went on the trip. I mean, we want to go as a church. Not only here, COVID phase, disease phase, we wanna go and we wanna move and we wanna glorify God, amen, church? That's what we wanna do. And so Kendall, share why you kinda chose to go on this, this trip and then pass the mic to your wife if you don't mind.
2: Uh, so I've never been really on a mission trip, definitely not out of uh, out of the country for sure um, and I, I'll be honest. To uh, initially, when I signed up to do this, it was kind of to piggyback off of Hannah, who's got a a, a real heart for missions in, in that area. And and you know, I, I thought like, man, I'm gonna have a good time. I, I wasn't dreading it by any means. Um, but good grief, God doesn't make any mistakes, right? I was I was meant to be there, and it it was definitely impactful. And I'm I'm thankful that you know I I at least was was willing to go and and willing to to dedicate that week to this trip.
3: So I have been blessed with the opportunity to go on several mission trips, uh, which is just truly, like I said, a blessing. But for this trip, Cade mentioned it, and I was like, yes, I'm going. Like, put my name on the list. And I was like, I'll wait for God's yes later, (laughs) (laughs) which I did (laughs) happily receive. But uh, just was so excited to go and just have always had that love of missions, so.
4: Um, I've been on missions before, but this one, um, the backpacks are really what um, drew me in because um, you can see kids here and see how excited they are. At the beginning of every year, we always get new school supplies and all the latest and greatest things. But to just be a part of taking something so tangible and to put it in the hands um, of kids in some other place who may or may not ever have that kind of opportunity um I was stoked about doing that, and so that's really what drew me in to be able to go and do something like this to do that there.
5: Well, this is my first mission trip, and uh so i I just felt you know when it when it was uh, announced that that we were going, I knew about the backpacks and it just you know I think Kate announced it one morning and then in my mind, I just settled it i I was going it was. It was, it was time for me to, to make that, you know, take that step out and actually uh, get outside my bubble and do something for others.
6: Uh, it was my first time going, to. Uh, when I first heard about it, I was like, I don't really want to go, like, prayed about it. And God's like, yeah, go, you're good.
7: <laughs> cool. Good luck, Andrew. Um, yeah, so I just, um, I'd been on one mission trip prior, it'd been about seven years though um, since, and I really just wanted to participate with what God was doing in Honduras, and kind of like what um, Roger said, I wanted to get out outside of the our little bubble, because it's really easy to get comfortable, and you know, so I wanted to see what God was doing outside of just where we are, um, and then ultimately it just came down to like um, God's peace and saying yes, um, so
8: Uh, This was my third international mission trip and um, I do have a heart for missions and I'd been praying during 2019 that God would open the door for me to be able to do this again and then COVID happened and there were no mission trips and when Cade mentioned um, that a group was going to go to Honduras, I started praying about it and um, got that peace and was just really excited that I was able to go.
9: I've never done anything like this either, uh, especially internationally, and um, I started talking to Cade and all that came about at the church, and uh, some people like me need to be slapped with the Holy Spirit, and that's kind of what hit me, and Cade brought it up, and um, man, I just got to say I loved it, and I had a great time, and I didn't know hardly any of these people, so if you if you don't know anybody and you're still thinking about going, I basically knew Cade and one other that's not here, Justin, and... Now, I mean, I just had an absolute blast with everybody and got to know them. And so I didn't know anybody
1: either when I first did it. And you can do it, too, if you decide you want to. Hmm. Pass it to Blake, Blakeney. Uh, As they pass it, one of the things that we did when we got on the ground there is you kind of have to get yourself mentally there. Um, And as you get there and you see Campamento and you see kind of the bigger picture and the bigger scale of what they're doing ministry wise there. After leaving the beach and some of those things that we did in the first day and a half, um, it's, it's hugely impactful when you see it for the first time. And so we did anything from schools to concrete, all things during the week, and they're going to share about some of this. And so, Blakeney, what do you feel like was probably the most impactful thing we did as a team together? What do you feel like was the most impactful thing as a team?
4: I feel like the most impactful thing that we did as a team was we were literally the hands and feet Um, of Jesus. And I know we hear that a lot, be the hands and feet, be the hands and feet. Um, But it's not really like what you picture. You think of being the hands and feet as having to do something super grand and like um, flamboyant and where you can say, oh, I was the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, But it was literally just in the soul to soul connection with the people there, with each other. Um, We don't speak Spanish, they don't speak English, um, but we were able to communicate from soul to soul, just with touching, with hugs, with building volcanoes, which they'll talk about later, doing concrete, handing out backpacks, which we take so much for granted, but to literally follow what scripture says, which is to be the hands and feet from the top to the bottom. And I really feel like we did that um, well. You have a lot of very different personalities and um, abilities and gifts and it, to really be the the hands, actually be that.
1: Roger, what, how do you feel like the trip impacted you individually? Uh, as you gather yourself, because I know you're going to cry. So... Uh, I'm going to tell something funny on Roger, just because you can tell, when you hear Roger talk, he's got a tender spirit, such kindness. Me and Roger didn't know each other before this trip, and so he's just incredible. The first night that we were on the beach, um, we're throwing the football, me and Justin and some of the guys here, we're all throwing the football across, and Roger picks the football up and just rifles it across the beach. And I catch it, and I'm like, Tom Brady's on the trip. I didn't know, like, the, the... This 50-something-year-old guy is going to throw the ball like that. Well, then he played basketball with us. He was incredible. He's like, yeah, I played point guard for college and everything else. And so we called him Tom Brady, a.k.a. Tom Brady, all week in the mission trip. And so um, it was his coming-out party. So I had to share that on you. So I just thought it was pretty funny. So he can play is what I'm telling you. Are (laughs) you going to have to repeat the question man. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got you (laughs) off track. I'm I'm, I'm old enough. I I know you're thinking about how good you are at things now, right? Um, uh, What impact individually did it have on you?
5: Individually, it was, I mean, to me, it was big. I mean, like we talked about, you know, Blakeney said. I always thought in order to go and do, it had to be something big. I had to be able to speak like Blakeney or Cade or I don't speak well. <laughs> um, I do get choked up a lot. Um, but it's the impact that I, I can do something even though I am getting a little older, I'm still available. I can still go and do. Even here, I mean, it, you know, mm. it doesn't have to be there. I mean, that was a huge impact, it's life-changing, but mm. I, I can still do, and I can, mm. I, can, I can be used, and it doesn't have to be a major, you know, I don't have to be able to quote every scripture to be mm. able to do it, I, mean, mm. I, can, I can still do it.
1: Mm. Morgan, what about you, individually?
6: Um, like Roger said, like, there was just so much (laughs) that you learn and that you learn about yourself, but that you learn about God. Um, I think for me, it was just taking God's goodness to a whole new level. Like I had seen God's goodness here, like through miracles, through all the things, but then taking it to a whole nother level and walking into so much like poverty and hurt, but still like seeing that God still sees each and every one of those people, um, like even in the slums, it's like no. Like I see them. This is who they are. Like I've still called them. I've still chosen them. Like they are still so loved, um, and just being able to be like a tangible miracle for them, like for things that they prayed for, like concrete or backpacks, which we'll get to. Um, just being able to see God's goodness on a whole new level.
1: Talk about on the mountain, the mountain school. Just the impact that that had on you. Um, you were pretty, it was pretty emotional for you at the, yeah, yeah, at the, at talk about that.
6: Oh gosh. Um, So I probably cried the whole day. Um, It's a 40 minute drive up to the top of the mountain and there's like this little bitty school and I'm like, oh, that's the top of the mountain. Um, I didn't think there was anything past it. And so we got there, we were playing with the kids, handing out backpacks. And this little boy walked up, and um, I gave him the backpack, and he just, like, didn't know what to do. And he just, like, sat there holding the backpack, just waiting for it, I think, to be taken away. Um, just couldn't wrap his mind around, like, this is mine, um, I think, for me. And then God was like, no, like, I see him, even on the top of the mountain, where nobody has access to him, and he probably won't make it down the mountain, Um very many times in his life, and he probably won't see many people, um, but just, like, I've seen him, and I have plans for him, and I've chosen him, and I love him so much, Um, and then Blakeney and I (laughs) learned about the girls, um, and it's their culture, kind of, for them. After they finish school at around 13, they start becoming mothers, um, and just Blakeney and I cried (laughs) the whole time. Um, just, like, our heart's breaking for those girls. Um, I think, but just to know, like, God still sees all
7: those little kids on the mountain.
1: Yep, Andrew, what about you individually, impact for you?
7: Um, I'm still processing a lot, but um, I think one of the most impactful things was simply just, like, being able to spend time um, with the kids and being able to give to them, um, give our money and our time and energy and there was a moment at one of the schools where we just finished uh, handing out backpacks and um, the teacher lined up the kids um, that don't have sponsors. Um, and so that was really, like, heartbreaking to see, like, like these kids aren't really being provided for. Um, and so that was a really hard moment because I, I wanted, at the time, just to, like, be able to sponsor all of them and, you know... and don't necessarily have the resources to do all that and we were able to sponsor a couple of kids while we were there which is awesome um so yeah that was really kind of heartbreaking to see but um so yeah so it's maybe an encouragement to y'all as well like we can still have an impact here even if we don't go because we can sponsor and help provide for kids um that are kind of less fortunate so. audrey what about you uh,
8: i think for me um it's obvious that God is at work down there already. Donnie and Donna are making such a difference. And, and I saw a hunger when we first got there. They needed encouragement. You know, you know, nobody's been there, you told us, for two years. And you could see that hunger in them and in the people. And it was the simplest little things that we did that made such an impact. That, I think, is one thing that kind of surprised me and blew me away that even um, I was eating a bar one day and there was a little boy kind of looking at it and I was like, you know, do you want the other half? And you'd think people don't want to eat after you, but he didn't hesitate. And just just little things when you can connect with someone was just so impactful. And, and seeing the, the need, the need down there is overwhelming.
1: Hold on, Andre, don't pass it yet. God's not <laughs> done yet with you. Uh, I-
8: okay. <laughs> Okay.
1: You you told, I like what you told in the first service too, where you talked about um, the impact of the heel and seeing what kids go through from the mountain school uh, every day and how far they have to walk. Share a little bit of your heart towards that.
8: Okay. After we gave out the backpacks, we had taken a couple of mattresses and a couple of box springs, and I really wasn't sure. I hadn't even heard what we were going to do with them. And then the guys grabbed them and we started walking, we're like, oh, we're gonna carry it, you know, to this house. And the kids were going with us and they were excited to, to go up the mountain and I thought it was gonna be like, you know, down the road and around the corner. And it, it's like over a mile, up a mountain, carrying the bed and- um,
1: The gringos were in trouble. Yeah, the so, gringos yeah. were
8: in trouble, because it, it was steep. And uh, you know, I've hiked, but I was like, whoa. And uh, so we get there and there's a grandmother raising these children and their mother had abandoned them. And that was the first time I'd heard that that happens a lot. They get overwhelmed, there's no hope, and they, they just leave. And this grandmother's trying to provide. And in this home, there were two hammocks, one chair, and a small foam pad that the material was coming off of. That's all the furniture this whole house had. And it, I think it just got to me. And from that time on, you know, I was pretty emotional during the trip. We were able to pray with that grandmother. She was very receptive to us praying and uh, just encouraging people. And just a bed now. There will be people that, because there were probably seven people living in this house that don't have to sleep on a concrete floor. And that just, that was
1: very impactful. Justin, I guess the Lord wants yep. to speak through you next. Uh, that's good. As Justin gets it, I, I, I'll tell you this, and what Audrey's talking about is there's this mountain school that's pretty special there. That It takes like 30 to 40 minutes to get up to. And so when Donna told us, you got to understand Donna's raised there. She's like Mother Teresa. She's anointed for concrete work. I mean, she goes in the kitchen after we're dying and goes and works. I mean, she's just incredible, her and Donnie both that are there on the ground but when, we, when we, we handed all the backpacks out, what was really cool in that is we, we were all gung-ho. We were ready to go. We are going to take this mattress up. And then we start getting on the trail of where we're going. We're taking the first mattress, and then we left one there because we're going up the other side of the mountain. We start getting on the trail. It gets real, people. Um, and so I'm telling you, you're going up like this. And to watch Justin and Luke and Roger and some of these guys have this mattress and this box spring and carrying it up like hurting. Um and and all of us, I'm behind them carrying it. And I'm just working on each step. You know what I mean? And so I'm dripping sweat. And this is this is really crazy is such a prophetic picture right here is I'm sitting there, we're concentrating, some of them are around me, and we're going up and I mean it's it's for real. And these kids walk it every day. Like and some of them go an hour to hour and a half. This this one was about 30 minutes to get where we needed to get and I'm talking like just, you gotta do some CrossFit if you're gonna do this on a regular basis, and I'm sitting here thinking all those thoughts, Jesus saved my life, uh, I repent in Jesus' name, you know, and I'm having all these thoughts, and this five-year-old little Honduran kid that we just met has his backpack on, mind you, probably has bricks in it, I don't know, and so he, he runs right past us all, just going right up the hill, Not one sweat bead and just gives me this smile like, hey, Jesus loves you too. You know what I mean? Like um, the gospel's ahead, you know? And so anyways, it was such a, a, a great picture for I wanted to share with you as these guys have shared some of this, such a great picture of this little kid going up the hill that his whole day was completely changed because of what he was carrying on his back. It was completely changed. And, it, and you think, well, it's just a backpack. I mean, they, it's so impactful for him to be running up that hill with something that he didn't have before. You know what I mean? He got to hear the gospel, but he also got to have something that he doesn't get very often in that. And so that was such a cool picture for us to see as a church that sometimes the simplest things, things that we take for granted, are extremely profound in God's kingdom for someone else. Um, as simple as a backpack, and so I wanted to kind of, for you to see that picture, and those kids that we took that bed to, um, I, I don't know if Audrey said this, they had been abandoned by their mother, and the grandmother had picked them up, and so every house that we go to, we get to pray over, and those people are receptive, get to speak life over that house, and so it was just a pretty cool opportunity. Justin, give them a picture of what a volcano is.
9: Volcanoes are hurt back,
1: and uh we talked about that earlier. It's just really hard
9: work, but it was fun in a way, I mean, after you got used to it. But you basically, you have a mound of dirt and then a big 80-pound bag of raw concrete, not quick like we're all lucky and yeah. used to. So you break that open, and you, you turn it, and you turn it back to get it all mixed together. And then you dig out a big hole, and you fill it full of water, and you slowly kind of knead it in the dirt, and so the Hondurans were so much better at it than we were but you know we we got our groove too and so you start going around and you make this but the whole thing takes probably 30-40 minutes everybody's involved you're shoveling like crazy because you got to do it quickly before it dries and you got to make sure it's mixed real well and then you've just got this mound of concrete that you got to transport somewhere so that's where it gets even worse too but we did a lot of them.
1: Yeah, and those, those like you said, it's not 30, 40 minutes. That's like each one that you do takes at least 20 minutes to do, 20 to 30 minutes to do, and there's four of you working on one of those things, and then we carry buckets into their homes, um, and we get to do these incredibly impactful things, um, and it's it, pretty cool how all of that works. Pass it back down here to, to, to Hannah. Um, and when we do this, it what's cool is, you know, for us, um, we think concrete rebar. We think all of those things. We didn't have rebar there or any of those things. Um, but what's what's hugely impactful is we got to concrete some of these homes. Um, the first lady that we did, Maria, right, um, and she had a little home. She had she attends church there. Eighty year old Honduran lady, um, and so it was really funny to watch the team on the first day of doing. Uh, that, because everybody's out to prove themselves. Um, Luke Taylor won that war, um, and then he bowed out. Um, and so, yeah, uh, it. Justin was a ha. I mean, that, you wouldn't believe Blake, uh, Morgan, Hannah, everybody up here did stuff, and did the volcano, Um, but it was just really cool to see the first day, you're trying to prove yourself, like, hey, I'm going to hang with this, and you're kind of defeated at the end of the day, thinking we got to go do like 50 more volcanoes tomorrow, Um, and so you're trying to mentally overcome that, but to watch everybody overcome that, here's how you overcome that. You start to realize the strength of your team, and so the next day that we did it, nobody was being prideful of trying to prove themselves. We all just worked together, and then you're like, Let's do 100 of them if we have to, because once you're together, there's something about unity that you can't get anywhere else, um, and when we were together, it made those volcanoes even, even less, and so we were carrying buckets into these homes. The first home we did was Maria. We got to bless her. Um, it, it cost about $500 to do a home, um, and she makes about four to $500 a year. Um, and so she could never have that. What that does is hugely impactful on her, and then we went into the slums of Campamento. This is an area that makes me cry every time I go down in it, as I've been on trips there before. Um, it, you go into those slums, and um, it's, you know, I, here's what I would, I'm going to ask you this, Hannah, and I didn't ask you this last survey. I mean, what would, what as you going in there knew, what, give them a view of what you were thinking and what you were processing into that second home that we did.
3: Yeah, so we drive down into this road that I was like, I don't think our trucks are going to make it down there. I was like, are we really going to drive all the way down there? And somebody's house is at the bottom of this very interesting, what they would call a road. And they have these practically cardboard houses. They're, like they said in the last service, they look like fence posts. Like you're like, that's not their house. That must be That must be the border around it. And it's like, no, that's their home. And they have dirt floors. They have nothing in them but all these people are outside and they're having this community and we're just going in and I think we were all just kind of in awe yeah. because it was the first time I think that we had seen that and it was like, like wow, people really live in this and I think we had seen the kindness and everything of all of these people in Camp Minto and it was like, but this is the home they go back to. Mm-hmm. Like it was perspective for the schools and all of the other thing because that was what we were experiencing and going into and that was what they lived in every day. Mm-hmm.
1: And As you get down in there, it it always makes my glasses fill with tears as you go down there because we've been in that area before. What's hugely impactful about that is that you can see some of the homes that are down in there that CRF has done in the past. Some of that concrete's been there for eight to 10 years and it's still holding. You know why? Because Jesus' hands and feet are on it. Um, and so to come down there and to do another home in there to provide for that mom and her kids and the thing, and, and you should have seen, it just makes the team come alive. And I mean, volcanoes, it's like they're nothing then. I mean, and you're just doing it. It's quick. And what why that's impactful, you think, why is concrete such an impactful thing? If you do any research on missions or overseas work, a lot of, uh, you know, third world countries and poverty stricken places, they, dirt floors, they have dirt floors in all of their homes with their fence panels and that they build them out of, but they live with their animals a lot of times. If a virus hits their home, um, it, it, everybody gets sick because that bacteria lives within the dirt, that disease lives within the dirt, and so they can't get it out of their homes. So to put concrete, isn't it awesome? To put foundation in their home, it's game changing for them. Um, and so for us to be the hands and feet of Jesus, but a foundation in their home they could never afford on their own they can clean it out, they can sweep it out, they can get, it protects them from all of those things. And every time they step on it, it was the hands and feet of Jesus that are coming in there and doing that. Um, and so what an impact that we can leave, it sounds simple to y'all maybe possibly, but it's not simple at all and it's usually impactful for the culture there um, in that. And so Blakeney, give, give them a picture of what kind of happened with the backpacks and the way we organized those and the way that those were kind of handed out.
4: So, um, you know, back in the fall, our church did a backpack drive where you could pay $10, um, and you could fill the backpack with a list of things, um, and then they were taken there, and so they were shipped over there, we were able to, um, we had a number, a certain number of students each day at the school, and then um, we counted them out, and um, we basically, like Morgan and I, I handled the girls and Morgan hand, handled um, the boys. And then they went a little bit further and they were able to receive socks and underwear and then pick out a toy. Um, and then basically, um, the principal or some of the teachers at each of the schools would group them um, by their age, um, by their grade level and age group. Um, and they would start with the youngest and then move up through the oldest, which we think oldest, like our students go to school through high school and then go on to further education. A lot of times. Um, But their schools are primarily kinder through sixth. And once they go past sixth grade, they may or may not go to school. Um, And so they came through and um, I can't remember who talked about it in the first service. I think it was you, Hannah. We would really have to kind of shuffle them through. Like the teacher would kind of push them our direction. And then um, we would, uh, Morgan and I would hold up two different backpacks for them to choose. And most of the time they just looked at us because they didn't really know what to do, um, where we're thinking, we'll pick a backpack, like you, you're getting choices, you know. And they but they didn't know what to do. And so sometimes they would kind of choose, other times we would just give them one. And then they would hold it up against them. And then we'd have to kind of push them on to the next step. And sometimes they would just get out of line and go back to the room because they didn't realize there was more there was more for them, which even in saying that I feel like God has more for us all the time when we walk away from that. Um, but they would go, and they would, they would get more of their items, and to get to pick a toy, and oh, there was one, um, if John were here, he'd talk about this little girl at one of the schools where from the moment she walked into the room, it was at the, the last school where we did it inside of a room, and the smile on her face, it was like, you know, from walking in and through every step, because she was so, so elated, not even just excited, like elated that she had something that was going to belong just to her, and um, there were things in it that were designated just for her, and underwear and socks, the things that really, like, I mean, myself growing up and my kids was like, we got underwear and socks, um, but it's underwear and socks just for them, and a toy, and she just literally, the whole time, because she was so excited, so excited, and the light on her face was magical, Um to, for us to get to be a part of that and to know that really, like, if you packed a backpack, you're a part of that. Like, if you paid $10 and picked a backpack or we just gave you a backpack um, for you to go and fill with whatever items you chose to, to fill, you got to be a part of that. So when we talk about the hands and feet, you were literally the hands and feet um, as well. And so I feel like I totally just said more than, no, like, good. what we did, what you're we did with the backpacks. You're good. But it, it sounds so simple and basic to us, it's just a backpack, but it really is not just, it's not just a backpack, because when God says go and we say yes, he magnifies and multiplies that yes mm. through your simple yes. Mm. Yeah.
1: Kendall, and, and as we pass it, to uh, uh, Kendall, I'll, I'll, the other thing, too, is what's really cool, I remember a moment, too, with the backpacks where one of them fell open, um, and Chris and Robin Welch your photo fell out and a letter fell out of the backpack. And I remember getting to see that, uh, some of you know who they are here, and putting it back in the backpack, and I remember handing it to the kid, I didn't have my phone at the time, I wished I could have taken a picture, but I mean, we watched every one of those backpacks. You listen to me, Bushland? Every one of those backpacks went to a kid. They're not stuffed in a dark corner, um, you're thinking they're gonna get used to from two years from now, I'm pretty sure God multiplied backpacks because every time we would go, we would think we, would, we were gonna run out and God's gonna leave somebody out. He never leaves anybody out. He never leaves one behind. I mean, God always made it work. There was a, a guy from Nicaragua on the border of Honduras, Nicaragua, that came in, drove four hours to get to us just to look us in the face and tell us thank you as a church for doing that. Drove four hours to tell us that. Um, and just to say, this is huge for my school. He took 30 backpacks um, and so we filled 400 of those. We better fill 600 next time um, because I just feel like it is so impactful. God will make up the work in that, um, but it's just so cool to actually see and be the hands and feet of Jesus, to see those backpacks go to every one of them. Um, and the last thing we'll do here is I want Kendall, and Hannah, you can share with this. One of the things that CRF does, because I know people are watching online too, is they do sponsorships. Some of you do that c- through compassion, um, but we actually, you actually, when you go on a trip like this, you actually get to meet, and so, you'll get to choose the kids that you want to sponsor if you ever go overseas like that through CRF, but also, you can go down to their store, and you, you can you can sponsor them, uh, their location here in Amarillo, they're locally here in Amarillo, but have a global impact, but... One of the cool moments for me was um, Kendall and them had, they had put a patch on a lot of their backpacks, and there was a girl that they were pretty driven towards um, at one of the schools that they felt like was uh, their girl. And so just kind of share how that kind of happened and how the Lord messed you up through that, too, at the end of that. So if you don't mind sharing that.
2: Yeah, thanks, Cade. Yeah, you're welcome.
1: (laughs) I'll be here all week.
2: Yeah, um, I think Andrew mentioned you know one of the schools they lined the kids up that were that were unsponsored it was a lot of the little ones because they were new into the program into kindergarten and stuff and and Hannah, you know you can get caught up and and really just want to do every single kid and and the budget would not like that at all but um, we're like okay okay if one of the kids happened to have one of the backpacks we filled I guess that'll be our sign to to go sponsor one and, and I, I kind of walked behind them and I see this this uh, cute little girl valentina in um in a pink dress and just wearing a pink bright pink backpack that had a little uh donut patch that we put on there and and that i mean that was just absolute confirmation of of like god is is highlighting highlighting this girl and we're going to get to write her letters and hopefully go back and see her as she grows up and and it, you know it, it's thirty five dollars a month, I think, to sponsor a kid, and you know we that that's one less eaten out night, or you know just that's one Chick fil A meal or something we don't get to have that will change this girl's life. And and we we were about to leave the school, and and she just flew her arms open and, and gave me a hug, and I, I think I was just a a soppy wet mess at that point. But yeah, and go ahead, Hannah, go ahead. I
3: was just going to add that I don't know how well y'all all all know Kindle, but he's a financial advisor and a little bit of a crazy planner and budgeter. And so the fact that at every school he was like, so can we can we sponsor another kid at this school (laughs) (laughs) at every single one was so fantastic and just showed how much like his heart had been like moved towards that. And I like set that limit. I was like, we have to find a kid that (laughs) has our backpack and has our patch. So it would actually make sense. And God just confirmed that for us. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well and, and he didn't he shared a little bit of that, but I, I was standing there watching as this was all trans transpiring and so he he tells her bye and she puts her arms out and says, adios, like give me a hug, and then he was done, and so he was done, and on the way back to the truck, and so we had so many cool things, there's so many individual stories that we can't even share, just because of the sake of time, um, that you, you're more than welcome to talk to any of these guys about their impact, and their trip, set up a lunch with them, talk with them, if you're interested more in missions, uh, and the impact that it had, but we, we, we also have to go, and so I want to make sure that you guys understand that we are so thankful that we got to do this, we have another trip happening in June that's full and we're we're moving forward with it. Um, And so if you've never considered missions, here's what I would encourage you with and challenge you just as a church today. Um, If you look in Matthew chapter 9, it says in verse 35, Jesus went through all of the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. If you look up the Greek word of compassion, it's splagnishima, is how you say it. It's is how you say it. Uh, and so I want to make sure that you understand that. When you look up the actual definition in the Greek of that word right there, it means to be moved with the inner bowels. And so what, what does that mean, and, and how is that challenging to me? Jesus is literally looking out, and he's seeing all of these people that are helpless, that have been rejected, that have diseases, that have they, they need something that's overwhelming that would be overwhelming to us. Not even a doctor could look out and think that he could do anything about it. And Jesus looks at it. And the one thing that he tunes in is, is his compassion. That's good because you're gonna see things in your life sometimes, church. You're gonna look over a crowd, you're gonna look over a mission field, you're gonna look at a school, you're gonna look at 13 and 12 year old girls up on a mountain top that are being parents. You're gonna look at something that's overwhelming. And you gotta remember, there's nothing that we can do as men and women. There's nothing that we can physically do about those things sometimes. But God did this really cool thing. He died on the cross for our sins and nailed his son to it. And he left the redemption of Jesus to where the Holy Spirit could reside on your chest, inside of your chest. Mm -hmm. And he could live on the inside of you. And through that, you can be the hands and feet of Jesus. And through that, you have access to the compassion of the King of Kings. And when we understand the value of that compassion, and when we understand how valuable it is, to know, no matter what scenario we're in, no matter what we're viewing with our own eyes, we know that faith can be involved if compassion is connected. Right? If God moves in your heart through compassion, if that inner parts of you are moved, you need to take action, church. You need to take action. Because Jesus is literally saying in that scripture, he's literally saying right there, the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. He's literally saying that there's not enough people that are moving with their guts. I gotta have more people move with the inner workings of their guts, the Holy Spirit, to where it just captivates them in such a way that they are obedient to the cross and the the journey in that, and 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 the Christian life, they're obedient to it no matter what, in any circumstance. And here's where it starts. Some of you say, well, I didn't get to go to Honduras. You got a neighbor, don't you? Mission starts across the street. Mission starts at Dollar General. Mission starts at Love's. Mission starts at restaurants in Amarillo, at the grocery store in Sam's. You're never not on mission, church. And if you will be obedient to that and you'll learn to move in compassion, God will put you in areas and ways, just like in a trip like Honduras sometimes, where you'll be able to look at the most devastating circumstance and still have hope. Why? Because we have a living hope. And we can, we can leave him with the responsibility of what we don't understand. And we can walk away in peace in those things because Jesus is in control, church. Mm-hmm. And so the challenge to you as the worship team comes today and as our ministry teams come, here's the challenge to you. When's the last time that you moved with compassion when the Holy Spirit told you to? When's the last time you were moved by God and you were obedient to it and you did what he asked you to do? It may be as simple as putting a backpack on someone. It may be as simple as telling your wife that you love her and that you care about her and you're sorry for the way that you've been. It may be telling your kid, I'm sorry that I've chewed your head off all week. God God will stir our hearts for compassion in different ways if we'll only listen to his voice. The harvest is plentiful, church but the ones that'll move with their guts and with the Holy Spirit are few. Be the few. Be the few in this. This altar's open for anybody that's been impacted by what's been said or by the challenge laid before you. If it's been a while since you just laid at Jesus' feet, lay at his feet for a little bit and let him just fill you back up again. Paxton gave such a great word in worship. You let him just fill you back up with joy again, a passion, if you're just dead and you just hadn't done anything, Don't stay dead. Don't do nothing with the truth, man. God wants to resurrect you. He wants to use you, and he wants to move with you. Amen, church? And so here's here, stand with us this morning. We're gonna pray, and and we're gonna sing us out. If you need something, our ministry teams are here this morning. Um, Thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to do what we did. If you got a hand next to you, grab it. We're gonna pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be with this time. Jesus, we just come. You're good, and you know exactly what needs to take place and what hearts it needs to take place in. So we give this harvest time to you. We pray for those that maybe their heart's beating out of their chest and maybe something that somebody shared or what I just shared right there. It's been a while since they even felt compassion. Maybe they feel apathetic and dead, and I pray for for that prodigal to come home. God, for you to bring them home, for you to ignite them, for their fire to be just fanned into flame again, God. We love you. We thank you for the impact that we got to have. We thank you for the church that believes in missions, that's gonna establish things in that area. We thank you so much for the people that are here that got to hear this. And we pray for the rest of the impact that we will have in Honduras through CRF, the things in the future that you're gonna want us to connect to. God, we pray that we would be obedient to that. We love you and we trust you with this time. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from The Church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using The Church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.